I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. It's time to get inside the Giants huddle. Huddle up, huddle up, huddle up. On Giants.com. Here we go, here we go. And the Giants mobile Get them in there, let's go. Part of the Giants podcast network. Welcome to another edition of the Giants huddle podcast. My name is John Schmuck. It's all brought to you by PSENG, energy efficiency for game time and any time. Visit PSEG.com slash Giants for discounts, rebates, and home energy assessments. All right, we have our normal Friday podcast heading into week number 15 in the National Football League. Giants visiting the Washington Commanders on Sunday Night Football. Biggest game of the year. A win would go a long way to assuring a playoff spot for whatever team wins this game, and obviously for the New York Football Giants. So busy show today. We're going to have Aziz Ojolari. I'll talk to him. That'll lead us off. J.P. Finlay from NBC Sports in Washington, D.C. previews the Commanders. And then Bob Papa with a sit-down with Brian Dable. But first, as a reminder... Go check out prior episodes of the Giant Subtle Podcast. I just talked to Chris Bizignano from Giant Insider Newspaper and Podcast. That's the last one. And then we have all our Papa's perspectives that are up there, too. And this week, Bob Papa talks to Matthias Kiwanuka about that goal line stand in 2007 in Week 3 that helped propel the Giants to that Super Bowl. All right, let's get to it. First, I'm joined by Giants edge rusher Aziz Ojolari. Aziz, how are you, man? Yes, I'm good, man. How are you? I'm doing good, man. Yeah, so am I. I'm doing great, too. So you're getting ready for this big game. Brian Dable does a good job of treating every game the same. You never know if he's talking to you after a win or a loss. Every game's important. Has that seeped in to, to your approach and, and the team's approach, the way he's kind of stressed that to you guys? Yeah, man, we just try to go one game at a time. You know, we know every game is a big game, really, especially in our division, you know, in the NFC. Man, you just got to – each and every game is competitive. High value game, and you know we take got to take advantage of each and every one. In the back of your head, though, are you aware of the potential playoff oh, implications yeah, sure. here? Yeah, yeah, definitely for sure, man. We we all gonna, we all know what's there and what opportunity we have in front of us and what we have to do to get it done. You know. And how desperate are you to get a division win? That's kind of the man. one thing you guys haven't cracked yet. Yeah. Man, we have to. Man, it's like it's <laughs> mandatory. We have to get a win, man. Like it's we have to fight for it. We got to get it, man. It'll be great. And this is a pretty unique circumstance. You played him just two weeks ago. Washington hasn't played a game, right, since you played him last. So what was your tape preparation like for this week? Did you watch the same cut-ups over again? Did you just watch the last game? How did your preparation change based on the fact you played him so recently? Yeah, you know, we just uh, still watching the same game. The game we played last is the most recent, so we, we, we're uh, honing in on that one and probably the game they played before us, that one too. Just, you know, just 
going back really and watching the game we played and just seeing what we got to do, what we could have done, the one, two, three plays, four plays that we could have had, you know, what we could have did better with the run, you know, just homing in and, you know, try to correct that for this one, this one, this week. What were some of your personal takeaways, you know, going up in that game? It was your first game back. You're yeah. going up against a, you know, you're trying to get your feet wet, but you're going up against an offensive line that had some moving pieces yeah, too. Yeah. So what did you take out of that game that you can kind of carry into this game and maybe give you a bit of an advantage? Yeah, you know, just uh, just we got to play physical. You know, they're going to try to run the ball. You know, they're the number one team in the league with game time possession. You know, try to take control of the game. And, you know, we just got to try to get the ball back for us and the team. And, you know, we just got to take advantage of the opportunities we get. Try to make a impact play, you know, just to help a team win at the end of the day. Yeah, they went for 160 plus. A guy that you he wasn't their starter, but you played against him in college, right? Brian Robinson went, you know, he he went for 96. So what do you guys need to do better to slow him and that running game down? Yeah, I feel like we just have to play as one, as gang tackle him, get to the ball, everyone run to the ball, try to stop his contact, knock him back on tackles, and don't let him fall forward because he's good with that. And you know, we just got to all rally to the ball and get there. What's the key on the edge? Because you guys obviously need to get to the quarterback. That's right. your job. But you got to stop the run too, right? right. And sometimes you, know, you get out of position trying to get inside, going to yeah. the quarterback, or you get outside, you get a feel yeah. too much. That can hurt the run defense. So how do you balance those two things out? Is it situation? Is it down and distance? How, how do you adjust your game plan as, a, as an edge player to make sure you cover both? Yeah, I say, you know, uh, it goes as the game goes. You know, as you stop the run in the early game, then you make them one-dimensional, try to make them one-dimensional to – get them third and long, second and long, you be alert for the screens, and, you know, then you get the chance to, you know, get after to do what you want to do for sure, get at the quarterback and try to get them down. That's when you really got to hone in on the run in the beginning of the game because, you know, everyone has a script and they follow it, so you got to stop the run because that's what they like to do. And, you know, and then we get the rewards to rush the passer later on. Yeah, and then last week you guys struggled against the run too. How, yeah. how close are you guys? You know, because a lot of times – a two-yard loss and a eight-yard gain, it's one guy being out of position, right? Yeah, right? So when you go back and watch the tape, how close are you guys to plugging some of those holes that have opened up in your run defense the last few games? Yeah, I feel like we're, we're getting there, man. We're working hard every day at practice trying to figure figure this out and uh, stop this problem and try to fix it as a unit, you know, all in one, all 11. And, you know, it takes all 11 of us, so we all got to be on the same page every, you know, every play to stop that. And we all got to be, you know, physical at the point, and everyone has to do their job, really. That's what it comes down to, doing the job. You know, this is fascinating to me because I feel like, especially for the guys up front, you going against their tackles or guards, right, and their pass rushers going against your offensive linemen. There's a lot of one-on-one matchup right. stuff there. And I know just growing up, you know, you play basketball with the same guys every week. Yeah. You learn their moves. Right. And eventually – you know what they're going to do before they're going to do it. You can anticipate, right? Yeah. So how much does that come into play here, given you guys have seen each other so recently, they mm-hmm. haven't played a game, where now there's almost a game within a game in those individual matchups? It is. It comes to play a lot, you know, because we just played them, and next you know they're playing us again. So it's like we're back at it, back at what we've seen before, what we watched on film. It's like, oh, he know what I uh, might do. So we have to find a way to switch it up the next week because – they're going to be back on going on the film what we did, you know, from the last game and try to say, oh, he's going to do this again, he's going to do this. So we might have to try to switch it up on them so they don't see it coming. And then they, there you go right there. <laughs> yeah, so it's counters on counters. Yeah. But you also don't want to get in your own head, right, because right. you want to do what you do best do right, and not right. get out of what you're good at, right? Yeah, right, yeah, you definitely for sure. You still got to, you know, do what you do best for sure, do it to your best ability, and then you still add a little wrinkle to it so you can switch it up on them, catch them off guard. Now, one thing I thought that that Wink did great that helped you guys in that last game, 
your pre-snap formation set up a lot of one-on-ones or even free rushers, right? Tibbs, Kayvon uh, had the free rusher as a free rusher on the goal line. Still don't know how Heineke held on to that ball, by the way, but he did. And you got one-on-one with the tight end on a play, a couple plays. You got one-on-one with the guard on another play. So now they've seen some of that stuff. Is there more in the bag where you can still try to create some confusion to, oh, yeah. to try to create those matchups? Oh, yeah, definitely, man. Definitely, you know, we always trying to find a way to get in a one-on-one matchup because that's, you know, at the end of the day, it's about being the man in front of you. So we definitely try to figure a way, switch things around to get the one-on-one at the end of the day. I feel like the coaches do a great job doing that, finding ways to create matchups for us to go in. How does your pass rush plan change? I'll start with the tight end first. Let's say you find yourself one-on-one with a tight end as opposed to a tackle. How does your pass rush plan change and your approach change when you see a tight end in front of you instead of a tackle? Yeah, when a tight end in front of you, you expect it to win that matchup and dominate for sure. No matter, you should not let a tight end block you. That's a mindset. So when a tight end in front of you, you got to go ahead, get them out the way, beat them quick as you can, and get there, get to the quarterback as fast as you can. It's different. Yeah. <laughs> And then I thought it was interesting when you got lined up with the guard, right? You think, well, Aziz against the guard, you want to get him in space, use your quickness, right? But you hit him with your length. You got you got your hand right in his chest. He couldn't get his arms in. You got around them. So is that now something, well, now I've shown him that. So next week maybe I got to show him something else. So, so when you see the guard, what's your mindset as, as an edge guy when you get a guard one-on-one? Yeah, when you get a guard one-on-one, it's like they they play guard for a reason. You know, they can't, you know, move that quick, move, stay on the edge. You know, they're, they're inside with the help. So it's like. You can be able to quickness, length, power. They don't have that much wiggle in them. So, you know, if I, if I as an edge guy, I come in and give them wiggle, they can't really stick with it. So that, that's a piece that helps. You know, I, you are out two months, dude. You come back and you get three sacks in two games. How are you able to kind of just get off to, to such a fast start after missing so much time? Yeah, man, I just uh, – my urgency was high, you know, just to get back out there. You know, it's, I missed so much games. So, it was like, man, my urgency is so high to just get back and try to help the team win and make an impact in whatever many snaps I get out there and just try to feel, make my presence known, you know. And just, that's just my mindset, just to get the job done, try to help the team win and just, you know, try to make plays, you know, for the team. Were you in, like, really locked in in meetings? What, what, what did you do to make sure when you got back? Because, look – you weren't in Wings defense a lot. You were out a lot in training camp. Then you had the first calf. Then you had the second calf. So it's not like you've played a lot of snaps in the defense. So how did you stay in tune so you could, you know, mentally at least hit the ground rolling? Man, you know, the uh, coaches do a great job, really. Just me hauling in on the film and the playbook and everything with the teammates. I'm in every meeting, every walkthrough. I'm there with the team and just staying locked in with everything. So I'm still seeing everything. I'm a visual learner anyway. So I'm walking. I'm being able to see it and just do it, you know, just see those guys do it. And, you know, the, uh, the trainers did a great job and the strength staff uh, mimicking the stuff that I was going to do. I was doing on the side. So it ended up correlating to the field. You know, it's different, though, when you're from the past. But still, but I had to you know, ramp it up a little bit. So it's, I'm good now. So it was – Different calves, right? You had one yeah. calf, then you had the other one. Uh-huh. Have you figured out like what the deal with that is? It just yeah. it seems like a really odd injury. It was crazy because uh, I had the first one. It was uh, the Jets. The, the end of the practice, yeah, mm-hmm. the end of the practice, and then. Uh, and you weren't even really running that. It, it, it was it was like the cool down run, right? Planted and it just like popped. It's crazy. I don't know what it was. I was shocked. I was hydrated there, stretched every day, so I don't know what it was. It's just freak accident. And then the next one was uh, what game was it? I came back. It was Chicago. In the Chicago game, three the third to last play of the game, I was just rushing and I just like I made a move on the edge and I just I got engaged with the tackle and I just heard like it felt like a little pop in the back oh, of my right. my other calf. So I was like, <laughs> yo, what the heck is going on, man? At that point, I was like, man, something's up. What's going on? 
And then it was another strain, and but I tried to, uh, but it didn't feel as bad because after the game I was walking and everything, and you know I was like I was doing cab races with no pain. Maybe it was adrenaline still pumping, but yeah. I was walking around, so I was like, man, this is probably nothing big. Man, I could probably be back soon. So I tried to come back uh, Jacksonville. I guess it was two weeks or three weeks early, and it was it wasn't ready. I heard it again at practice the Thursday going to the Jacksonville game. I was feeling good the Monday through Wednesday. Did great. Wednesday practice and then Thursday, boom, we got hurt, popped it. That's that's when I was like, oh, that's when I got put on IR, and that's when the whole situation with that you maybe they wanted me to get right, officially healthy, and then instead of trying to rush it to come back, and now I'm good now. So, yeah, because I got to imagine for a guy playing your spot, it's all about push off, right? I mean, yeah, right. that's all calf yeah, all stuff, calf. right? So you probably got to be really careful with that, and yeah. and you use both depending on what yeah. side you're lined up on, right? Yeah. So I got to imagine that that's it, it's it. <laughs> It's kind of like a hamstring for a wide receiver, right? right. You got to make sure that thing's right. Right, definitely. You have to like you. You can't play or mess around. We have to make sure it's there because soft tissue can come back right away. They linger, so right. you know you want to make sure you take care of it and be ready to go, one hundred percent. What has it been like playing with Kayvon? Because he seems to be kind of hitting his stride now, the same way you are. You know, and what has it been like playing with him? Man, it's been great, man. I love his energy, the way he plays, his enthusiasm, just what he brings every week to practice, and how he just carries himself out there on the field he just wants to dominate and, and I love that type of energy because he feeds off I feed off that and like because I want to do the same thing so if both of us want to dominate this is like we're just going to keep pushing each other try to make each other better and get there get to the quarterback and make impact plays on defense so you you tell me if I'm crazy I feel like you've we've seen the explosiveness at the start of camp that Kayvon had before the MCL oh, yeah come back little by little right do you see now a different guy physically than even what he was like two months ago oh yeah definitely for sure he definitely has grown tremendously with the reps and the games and you know his confidence and everything he's doing he's yeah he's just phenomenal out there now he's just taking uh, taking advantage of every opportunity he gets and he's just showing what he could do and he's dominating all right, final question. We do a lot of draft stuff here, and I watched your brother yesterday. Oh, yeah. We're at number 18 for LSU, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. dude, he looks like Aziz. <laughs> like, yeah, the, yeah, he's, he's got yeah, the dip yeah. and rip. He, he's got the whole thing. Give me the Aziz Ojolari scouting report on uh, on your brother BJ, who just declared for the draft. Yeah, man, I'm happy for that, man. I love him, man. I can't wait to see where he ends up. And, man, he's powerful, long, tall. He could get around the edge. He's fast, too. He's quick. He could bend. So, you know, he has great hands and speed. So, man, he's going to be a problem on the edge. I, I see it coming out. He's going to be a problem. I always feel like the little brother has the advantage, <laughs> right? Because he he has to compete against you. Yeah. He's, what, two or three years younger than you? Yeah. yeah. So he got to play against somebody that was older than him, bigger than him, faster than him. Then you can teach him all your tricks, too. Yeah, yeah. So he's probably a few steps ahead here, yeah, right? Yeah, definitely, man. I'm giving him all the tricks. You know, I want him to be the best. So I'm, I'm going to give him all I got, give him all the tricks, tell him the tips and everything because I want him to be the best. So, man, I'm just happy for him. I'm proud. I can't wait to see where he end up. You got to get in Joe Shane's ear, man. Man, I'm saying that. I ain't for... <laughs> nah, that would be great, man. Oh, my God. That would be crazy. Oh, my goodness. I'd love to have him here. That would be crazy. And Aziz, I know you're doing a lot of stuff in the community too, right? The Boys and oh, yeah. Girls Club in New Jersey. Why don't you just tell us what you're doing with them and why that's so important to you? Yeah, no, nah, it's important to me because, you know, I, I grew up in the Boys and Girls Club back home in, you know, Georgia. And uh, this is a great opportunity for me to just give back to the little kids and just show them what it's about. And it's just an exciting moment at, at this time of the year. It's just all love and just show them that, how great it could be. Everything's, anything's possible. So what are you doing? You're like getting toys from everything yeah, like toys, that? Yeah, toys, clothes, jackets, socks, everything. We're just giving it back, giving back to the kids. Well, Aziz, this was fun, man. Best luck against Washington. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Appreciate you.
Fans, don't miss football at MetLife Stadium this season. Limited tickets are available for remaining home games. Visit Giants.com slash tickets to find your game and secure your seat. All right, we thank Aziz Ojolari for for joining us. Good stuff from him. Now let's turn our attention to the Commanders. Obviously, the Giants took them on two weeks ago. Some things have changed, but not much. The Commanders have not played a game since they played uh, two weeks ago in that 2020 overtime tie. So Lance Meadow and Paul Dottino this week got the latest of what's going on with the Commanders from J.P. Finlay, who covers them for NBC Sports in Washington, D.C. The Giants wrap up a stretch of four straight games against NFC East opponents when they visit the Washington Commanders at FedEx Field on Sunday Night Football. Both teams just played to a 2020 tie in Week 13, so this is their second meeting in the span of three weeks. And to get more into the Commanders, we're now joined by J.P. Finley, who covers the team for NBC Sports Washington. You can also hear him on 106.7 The Fan in D.C. JP, you got Lance Meadow and Paul Dottino here on Giants.com. Greatly appreciate the time. Hope all is well. How's everything on your end? Uh, we're doing well. We're doing well. Thanks for having me, guys. Not a problem. A pleasure having you on the program. And JP, I want to start on the injury front because I think that's one of the biggest storylines, at least for the commanders coming off the bye. Two players of note, clearly Chase Young, who has yet to make his season debut, coming off the torn ACL from last season. And then Benjamin St. Juice, who I wouldn't overlook, who did not play the first meeting who's one of their top corners. How likely is it that both will be on the field? And what level of impact do you think both could potentially make in this meeting? You know, I, I'll take each one individually because they're such different cases. Um, I think it's fairly likely St. Juice is out there. Like if I had to give it a percentage, I'd say it's probably, you know, 70% chance he's back out there. And he, he's taken over as probably their top corner. They have Kendall Fuller, who's a veteran and really smart, savvy player. But St. Juice has kind of better raw tools. He's a really lengthy player. He's got good range. Um, you know, since they benched and then eventually traded William Jackson the third, St. Juice kind of took over as their outside corner, their top corner, and, and have been doing a really good job with it. In their big win, the Monday night win over the Eagles, St. Juice really shut down A.J. Brown, which you guys know how hard that is to do. Um, he, he rolled his ankle in the win against Houston. And it, what's funny about it is I, I saw him talking to trainers trying to get back on the field in that Houston game. And, you know, maybe you got a lot of adrenaline going on game day, but I was pretty surprised he missed any time, let alone miss, you know, a, a kind of significant time. Um, you like to think with the bye week, he's back ready. He's been at practice, though not, not going through team drills. Um, so we'll see there. The Chase Young thing is it's – I'll add this on St. Juice. It was pretty obvious in that first game that the Giants were trying to attack vertically the the commander's pass defense. And and I think that will change if St. Juice is out there. So schematically, I think he matters a lot. Um, Now with Chase Young, it's an entirely unique issue at this point. He's been medically cleared for over a month. They, they, They brought him back from IR on November 1st or 2nd. And you don't Let's be real here, fellas. You don't bring a guy back if you don't think he's going to be back. They, they wouldn't have started his clock that far back. Um, the, the question is confidence. And if he feels like the knee is ready to perform, and it's one of these tough catch-22s because how's he going to know he's ready until he's out there? And uh, I, I wasn't surprised when he didn't play in the Meadowlands because whether it's perception or reality – the talk surrounding the turf up there is is a real thing in the league. And 
they had been holding chase out of indoor practices in the in the bubble at the commander's facility because they didn't want him going on the turf. So I wasn't surprised by the Meadowlands at all, but it's getting closer and closer to a point with Chase where it's like, if you don't play him now, when are you going to play it? Like maybe you just shut him down again for the year. So I, I, I feel pretty good about St. Juice. I feel, I, I do feel like this is the week for Chase, but he spoke with reporters this week and, and seemed much more comfortable than he had the last time he was more or less forced to talk to the media. So, I, you know, I, I give Chase a legit 60-40 chance of playing, but I, I think it'll be situational, pitch count, all those sorts of things if he does play. JP, you're going to have to correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think the bigger injury change is that Tyler Larson's on injured reserve and we know the last time that Washington played the Giants two weeks ago, they held the ball for over 40 minutes and ran the ball pretty well. Robinson had almost 100 yards. But if Nick Martin is the center now that Larson's on IR, it looked to me like when I when I did the research, the two games where he started, they ran for about 60 yards and ran for about 40 yards. If this is a big detriment to their run game, that is a huge disadvantage for Washington. Yes, you are not wrong. Nick Martin was very, very bad. I, I'm not trying to dump on the guy, but he hadn't been in the NFL for two years, and there was a reason. They signed him off the street, um, and he was he was a turnstile. And early in the season when he was playing, they also had Trey Turner playing, trying to cut through an injury. He was also very, very bad. So those early results that you're looking at are quite – I mean, I, you know, the numbers are the numbers. They're awful. But I would add – um, they also didn't have Brian Robinson for most of that function. That was when he was still on IR coming back from the gunshot wound he sustained in August. Um, so a lot of that is different. Let's start with uh, Rivera made clear they're going with Wes Schweitzer at center, not Nick Martin. Um, Larson is better than all these guys. Schweitzer is better than Martin. Schweitzer is a veteran interior offensive lineman. He's better suited to play guard, but he can play center. Um so I, I'm not expecting the significant drop-off that we saw when Martin was out there. The, the issue with Schweitzer, Scott Turner, the commander's offense coordinator, a lot runs out of the shotgun, like uh, uh, perhaps a stunning amount, especially in short yardage situations. Schweitzer's shotgun snaps are, are kind of a wild ride. So, so keep an eye on that on Sunday. If, if balls are coming out low and high and fast and slow and, um, we've seen that before. Losing Larson is a big deal for this team. And I actually, I wrote a column back when Larson got activated off IR, like, all right, this, this is a, this is a really welcome site for commanders folks. And a lot of people made fun of me. They're like, Oh, I'm sure a third string center is really going to matter. It did. And now he's hurt again. Um, he actually, you know, if you believe it or not, but he, he, he tweeted out about the, the turf at the Meadowlands after he was injured up there two weeks ago. Um, and he's a pretty quiet guy. Like, he's not a very, you know, loud and, and, and out, out there fella. Um, but, yeah, you know, so the run game is just dramatically different now than what it was with Martin out there, especially Robinson now is, is full go and, you know, I, I'd say – really well acclimated to kind of the speed of the NFL and everything versus when he was first coming back after, you know, a, a shooting. 
Um, but yeah, the, 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 that'll definitely be an issue. And I'd watch the guard spot too. I, I believe they'll go with Sam Cosby at right guard, but you know, he started in the Meadowlands and then had to get pulled. Hell, I don't even think he made it to halftime. Um, with an ankle, I think he rolled his ankle also. Cosby is a really talented young guy. He's a second-round pick from two seasons ago out of Texas. But he, he has trouble staying on the field. So that's another thing to watch. And to your point, JP, the Giants had one of their best pass-rushing performances two weeks ago against the Commanders. They recorded five sacks. Clearly, Kayvon Thibodeau had that big sack in overtime. I guess what I'm getting at is you look at the numbers. Heineke threw the ball 41 times and drops back 46 times with the sacks. We know they've been heavily leaning on the rushing attack in recent weeks, as you mentioned. How much do you think they want to see even more runs this time around? Or based on what they did on that last drive in regulation, do you think they're more than comfortable leaning on the likes of Curtis Samuel and Jahan Dotson and trying to test this Giants banged up secondary? They want to be running the ball. They want to run the ball 40 times, 35, 40 times. That, that's – they don't – I mean, they'll tell you something different, but they don't really trust Taylor. And you guys watch that game. It, sure. There's a lot of interceptable passes that come out, a lot of questionable decisions. Now, he does have a flair for the dramatic. I mean, the guts at the end to pull that drive off. that The 4-4 to four play that he hit Samuel on was – I mean, that's the kind of stuff that – you know, Kyler Murray pulls off. Like, it, it's remarkable what Taylor can do, but it's remarkable what he also does at times on the other on the other side. So they, they definitely want to be running the ball really well to set up their play action. They have a really, really deadly play action fake where Taylor kind of runs like a, a boot off a, two, off, off a fake two-handed toss that has been highly effective for them that they want to get back to. Um, I mean, think about this. As, as magical as that fourth-quarter drive was to tie it up, I mean, John Dotson made a hell of a play on that spin move to get in the end zone. Um, Taylor missed Logan Thomas in the first half for a walk-in touchdown. Yep. And, and, like, if you hit that one, you don't have to worry about overtime later. So it's, it's, um, it's kind of a – honestly, I think Taylor's not that dissimilar from Daniel Jones. I, I think he might be – Taylor might be like a smarter, guttier player, and Jones is probably a little more physically gifted, but I don't think they're that different. I just think I think Washington has a lot better skill weapons than the Giants do right now, um, and, and that helps Heineke's cause. Well, two weeks ago, JP, neither team did much on third down, and that's one of the reasons why the game in some ways kind of dragged, and you saw a 20-20 tie. Neither, neither team really did – the kind of execution that they probably wanted that would have warranted a victory. So what do you expect to see? A very similar game this time around? Or do you expect to see some type of of a difference in terms of, well, I know you just said that Washington wants to run. I know the Giants want to run. I know they think they'll run the ball better. What will change, if anything? Or are we going to see a second tie again? <laughs> I hope we don't see a second tie. I imagine you guys feel the same. I mean, one thing that really stood out to me, and I'm curious if you fellas agree, when they got to overtime, it kind of felt like both coaches were okay with a tie. Nobody was really going for the jugular when they got to the extra session there. Um, I thought there were opportunities for either coach to maybe be a bit more aggressive. 
I, I thought Washington had a chance to win in regulation and a, a penalty was a killer that brought back a uh, park return. But, um, you know, I, I think, I think for Washington in that game, and this will sound ridiculous. I'm sure Giants fans will hate me for this. I, I think they got hosed on a number of pretty big calls. Um, and I think those things have a way of kind of evening out. JP, I hate to tell you, the Giants got hosed on a couple of real big calls, too, at the end of overtime. The taunting was ridiculous. I agree with that. But the there was a there was a pass interference thrown on Terry McLaurin in the end zone, which would have had given them first a goal to one, but they eventually right. missed a field goal. The flag was thrown. That's a that's a judgment call. The, the, the ref made the judgment he was interfered with. You know, those don't get picked up. I, I, like, if there was no call made, that's fine. But the guy made the call and then was talked out of it. Like, that's that, that's very bizarre. Um, but we're, I'm not saying the game hinged on calls either way because the taunting call at the end of the game was junk. I, I, I agree with that. And if you go back to the commander's big, big win over the Eagles, they got every break there is in that game. But I, I do think, ideally, this one gets – the I'm hoping that the outcome is decided on the field. I, I thought the refs had an oversized impact in that game two weeks ago in, in at MetLife. And if Giants fans feel that way and Commanders fans feel that way, they, it's probably true. Like, I'm not saying they, they decided it one way or the other, but they just were too involved in that game. And you'd like to see it more, more decided by the actions of the players on the field. Um, the only – I think the commanders are going to try to run the ball 40 times. I'd be surprised if it goes away. One interesting thing, though, both Antonio Gibson and Brian Robinson are on the injury report this week, which is a little odd. Um, Robinson, especially coming off a of bye week, he landed on there with a quad. Um, they're both practicing. I, I fully expect, expect both to play. But Gibson has been dealing with this foot thing. And to see Robinson on there just caught my eye. I don't know what their offense is going to look like. It, it, it's going to be different without Larson and with Schweitzer in there, and then depending what happens at right guard. Um, I, I know they, they believe in their play-action passing. Expect them to take shots early, like on the first drive. That's kind of a Scott Turner staple. Um, I, I think if they can – and they, they've, been, they've been proven incapable of doing this pretty much since he was a rookie – if they can stop Daniel Jones on the ground, I think the commanders could win kind of, I don't want to say easily, but convincingly. I, I do think they have more talent. I think the Giants are just like in a very accelerated rebuild where nobody really expected them to be this good this year. I, I do think the Giants are really well coached and disciplined. Um, but I, I think if they can just stop DJ from picking up those key third downs with his legs – I think this game looks a lot different. The commander's third down offense, like you mentioned before, is bad. And I'd love to credit the Giants defense for that, but it's been bad most of the year. I think that is a result of when they get out of kind of favorable down and distance early on first and second with their run game, and then they have to lean on Taylor, and he's just <clears> – he <throat> doesn't have the zip for a lot of tight window throws. Uh but if they can get the run game going and then the play action comes off that, I think defensively they'll be ready to go. I, I mean, they had a 10 nothing lead, and then Jones hits that pass to Slayton where people down here at least, it sure looked like the receiver extended, got some good separation with his arms, but whatever. Um, you know, the, the whole game swung on that big 
pass. It looked like the commanders might kind of run away with that thing. We're talking with J.P. Finley, who covers the team for NBC Sports Washington. To your point, Washington stayed out of those third and longs against the Eagles. That was a big reason why they knocked off Philadelphia, handed them their lone loss of the season. You brought up Daniel Jones in the running game, J.P. I'm glad you went there because I want to piggyback off of that point. To me, that's the most notable statistic that jumps off the page from the Giants' offensive perspective in the first meeting. He had 71 rushing yards on 12 carries, nearly six yards per run. And we've seen Daniel Jones have success against Washington in the past. Even Philadelphia had trouble. That didn't obviously show up last week. Why has that been an issue for the Washington defense? And what do you think, if anything, Jack Del Rio could mix up with the return of some key players, both up front as well as on the back end? I mean, I'd love to give you an answer, but if you go back and look at Jones historically against Washington and he's in his fourth season now, so he's probably got yep. seven starts against them, something like that. He always performs well. And it, there's some of it is, is, is true read option stuff where, you know, he's making a decision and, and, and playing smart, heady football. But some of it is just these crazy scrambles where he sees them in some sort of man or even like a zone man look and the middle of the field's wide open and he takes advantage. I, I do think listen, he's coming back from uh he's still technically in concussion protocol, but I fully expect him to play. It, Montez Sweat has to play for the commanders. If he misses this game, I really fear Daniel Jones on the edges. Um I, I think that commanders one have to play better assignment football against them. They really really focus on trying to slow down Saquon Barkley and the year Saquon's having, it's understandable, but I think that hurts them um, with, with Jones being able to keep it more often. And I, I think Jamin Davis is a commander's second year linebacker and first rounder from 21. And uh, he's been playing much better over the last six weeks, two months. He's starting to really show the form of why he was drafted so early. He was dealing with this thumb thing that he had surgery for over the bye week, and now they're saying he feels much better. I, I don't know that you can deploy him in a straight-up spy role because, you know, I think Jones is actually pretty good over the middle of the field as a passer, and, and you need Davis's cover ability. But I, I think in third and anything over like third and six, I, I'd be looking to have somebody just with Jones so he can't take off. I don't know that they'll do that. Jack is a real big believer in getting pressure with his front four and not having to do more there. And the way John Allen and Deron Payne are playing, it's pretty effective. And then you have Montez Sweat out there, and especially if you get Chase Young out there for some situational pass rushing. Uh, it, shutting, slowing Jones down, to me, is kind of the key for them to, to really slow down the Giants offense. And I don't mean in the pass game. I mean specifically with his legs. Sure. I think most teams would feel the same way based on some of the troubles that they have had. It is the second matchup in three weeks between the Giants and the Commanders after they played to a 2020 tie in week 13. He's J.P. Finley. He covers the team for NBC Sports Washington. You can also hear him on 106.7 The Fan in D.C. J.P., greatly appreciate the time of the insight. Look forward to this rematch as well as speaking to you down the road. Thanks for coming on the program. Thanks. Thank you very much, guys. I, I enjoyed it. The Giants official connected TV streaming app, Giants TV, brings original video content and game highlights on demand and direct to big blue fans. Giants TV is free 
on Apple TV, Roku, and Amazon Fire TV, and the Giants mobile app. Thank you to Lance and Paul and JP for giving us the latest on the Washington Commanders. Really good stuff there. And as we do every week, we're going to wrap it up with Bob Papa's conversation with the head coach of the NYG, Brian Dable. The Giants take on the Washington Commanders. Bob Papa, along with the head coach of the New York Giants, Brian Dable, in our weekly spot. And coach, obviously, uh, things didn't go the way you and your staff had planned last week. Washington had last week off. You're playing them again. Is there a lot that could be changed from either side in such a short period of time? Well, I think that's up to each respective staff. But usually you get this time of year, you, you kind of got to feel what teams, how teams want to play games. And um, certainly there's new plays or coverages or potential blitzes or things like that that can, that can come up. But playing a team, you know, just a few weeks ago to right now, you kind of know the players. They know us. You know, they know how we play. We kind of know how they play. So it's going to come down to execution. Your team has played in so many close games throughout the course of the season. Uh, all these one-possession games, um, you know, 10 of them to be exact. Let me ask you this. Um, after what happened last week against Philadelphia, what did you have to do with your team this week, if anything, to kind of build them back up? Yeah, I think we, you do that – in OTAs and training camp, you know, you're constantly talking about dealing with adversity or dealing with success. And, you know, in this league, it pays to be consistent. Um, it's hard to do, but I think that if you have a process that you believe in that, that we do, um, you come to work, you start over um, on a Monday or on a Tuesday, you, you flush last week's game, whether you win or lose, and you put your eye on the prize, which is the opponent this week. Going back to the meeting two weeks ago, um, you know, they had success with the rookie running back. Uh, he went for 96 yards in the game. Um, that combination that they have between Robinson and Gibson is a potent combination. Um, just talk about some of the challenges of trying to slow them down and lot, not let them get on schedule. Well, I think that's the way that, that they, Washington wants to play, too. They want to be physical up front and control the game, run the ball, um, and then they have three skilled guys that, that are really tough to defend, too, and, and Samuel, McLaurin, and, and the rookie. Um, so it's, it's a, certainly a challenge. Um, it's going to take all 11 on defense to, to make sure we're getting good knockback at the line of scrimmage, that we're fitting our gaps, that we're making tackles. Um, team effort. Coach, um, obviously your team is giving you everything each and every week. Um, but now as we get down to these final four games of the season – everybody's margin of error decreases because there's not a bunch of games on the back end to sort of make up for it. Do you get a sense within the building and around your team that there's that um, excitement level and heightened sense of urgency? Well, I'd say our urgency is, you know, again, that goes back to the consistency. You need urgency every week in this league. There's only 17 of them. Uh, but certainly it's the end of the season, um, the last quarter of it, and – um, stakes are high, you know, they're high in September, but you kind of get a feeling for how things are shaking out here in December. So, you know, our guys are, are consistent with their approach. They're certainly excited to play, but, you know, they've been excited to play every game. Yeah, I mean, this is all that work, right, in the OTAs and then through the mini camps and uh, throughout training camp and, and each and every week to put yourself in this position uh, to have an opportunity, and, nope. and, and that's the exciting part, isn't it? No question. Um, you know, that's why you do all those things, as Parcells once said. So, um, you know, we, we understand that, you know, this is an important game, and it's important because it's a division game. Uh, it's our next game, and, you know, that's where our focus needs to be. 
As you uh, look at Daniel Jones and, and sort of the way he's been playing, um, he's handling things pretty well despite, you know, uh, adversity with the offensive line changing and, and not being able to get the running game going consistently. Just talk about his level of consistency and the leadership that he's shown you through the adverse times. Yeah, I think he's been really good. Um, he's been doing the things we ask him to do. Uh, he makes good decisions. He's been a steady, consistent leader for our football team. And, you know, he, he puts in the time and the work ethic to, to go ahead and, you know, give himself a chance and give our, our team a chance. And coach, when final question: When you have when you have two teams that have the same record and play to similar profiles, it does kind of come down to like those four or five plays in a game. For instance, in the last meeting against Washington, there were several plays during the course of that game, especially late in the fourth quarter and even into overtime, that um, if you execute them one way or another, that kind of the tipping point in these games, isn't it? No question. You know, and usually that's the way it goes. This is a competitive league. Most games are close. You never know when those four or five plays are going to happen. It could be the, you know, the first drive of the game. It could be in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, each play is, is so critical um, in a football game, and particularly now when we're playing a division team. Coach, best of luck, and uh, we look forward to doing it on Christmas Eve in Minnesota. Thanks, Bob. That's Giants head coach Brian Dable. We thank him for joining us as he does every week right here on the Giants Huddle podcast. We also thank Aziz Ojolari and J.P. Finlay, along with the help, of course, from Bob Papa, Lance Meadow, and Paul Dottino for helping us out on this week's Giants Huddle podcast, which is all brought to you by PSE&G, energy efficiency for game time and any time. Visit pseg.com slash Giants for discounts, rebates, and home energy assessments. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Tired of pickup truck bed chaos? Meet Decked, game-changing USA-made full bed-length drawers for tools and gear. Waterproof, dustproof, lockable, secure. Whether you're working, hunting, fishing, camping, or just getting out of town. And introducing Decked Deco cases. Tough, modular, problem-solving cases built for the truck, job site, campsite, or garage. Say goodbye to random bins and tie-downs. Order now at Decked.com slash iHeart for free shipping. Decked, your truck, your rules. Decked.com forward slash iHeart.